Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the People's Patriot Network. It's your, I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Thursday, January 31st, 2019, <clears throat> last day of the first month. And it seems like we were just you know, listening to all the hooting and hollering and whatnot on, the, on New Year's Eve. And we've already gone through the first month already. And it's a beautiful day here in central Ohio. Uh, it was six below zero when I got up this morning. I was out playing around, feeding the horses, moving horse feed from the front to the back of the house, and uh, putting air in my tires and my truck and all the other kind of stuff that you don't normally uh, take in the trash out that you don't normally do in uh, cold weather. But, hey, it had to be done, so it got done. I was outside for about 45 minutes this morning and wasn't bad at all. But, of course... The schools are closed because it's so cold, and I'm, I'm just amazed. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time. This program is meant to present nutritional information only and is no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I'm not a doctor, and that's a good thing. In my opinion, doctors most people go to see when they have a health issue, MDs, are wrapped around the axle of their training. Unfortunately, their training is in drugs and surgery, and it doesn't equip them to treat the over 900 chronic health issues that are proven to be a result of a nutritional deficiency. I'm simply someone who's been studying under the tutelage of one of, if not the top nutritional authorities in the world, Dr. Joel Wallach. Now, I don't treat diseases. I don't even treat people. I simply advise people how to give their bodies the raw materials they need to support and maintain good health. And when the body has what it needs, it'll fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And uh, I've been updating that all week. I put uh, made some updates again yesterday, and it's loaded with all kinds of information. At the top of the homepage is something, if you haven't seen it yet, you really need to take some time and take a look at it. It is about a 40-minute long documentary on the life of Dr. Joel Wallach called The Audacity of Health. And all you got to do is click the link, put in your email address, and off you go. It is phenomenal. It's well worth it. And you don't have to worry about getting spammed. I put my email address in, oh, goodness, uh, well, right when the thing came out about a month ago. And I have yet to receive any email of any kind from them. Uh, I'm not even sure why they ask for email, but it's not there. And uh, probably once it's available on DVD or something, they may send something out offering to sell you a copy or something like that. But um, I wouldn't worry about it. You're not going to get spammed. And the nice thing is, is the system recognizes you. So once you've given your email address, you don't have to do it again. You can come back and watch that uh, video from your same computer anytime you want, and it will open right up for you. So that's another plus. But uh, I encourage you to check that out. Scroll down about uh, part way, and you'll see the uh, links to CTFO, which is the Changing the Future Outcome uh, company that I'm working with on CBD oil. And they've got some fantastic products. I recommend them highly. Just love the stuff that I've used. Their sleep spray is absolutely awesome. <laughs> That's the best thing I can tell you. It works like a charm. And um, <laughs> I actually slept through my alarm clock a couple weeks back. And uh, I was snoozing so good. But anyway, uh, check that out. And uh, if you're looking for a home-based business, this is a tough one to beat. Uh, no charge to sign up. You have uh, a free website. 
everything is basically laid out for you and the products pretty much sell themselves um, and plus you got a 60-day empty bottle money back guarantee uh, great selling point and on top of that you can actually make money without spending money which is very unusual in a network network business but this one it's set up that way on purpose uh, if you've got a fantastic comp plan, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, the links are on the website. Feel free to take a look at it. And if you have any questions, you can give me a call. Um, and we do have a toll-free number uh, for product orders for the longevity products. Right there, um, basically the number is 855-80-YOUNG, 855-809-6864, 855-809-6864. And Jeff, Sally, and Robert are standing by ready to take your calls they're very knowledgeable in the home-based business opportunity and the product line, and they'd be more than happy to help you out. Just give them a call at 855-809-6864. Again, that's for the longevity products only. Plus, you can order them right there from the website if you want, but you can also give Jeff, Sally, and Robert a call, and they'll be happy to help you as well. Uh, now, if you're interested in the CBD oil products or the pulsed electromagnetic therapy unit that's talked about on the uh, uh, Trinity of Health section, then you'll need to contact me directly, which you can do through the Contact Me button, and I'll be happy to help you out. You can either call or email. Just keep in mind I don't check emails during the show, but I do check them afterwards, and anything that comes in will get a response within an hour or two. Now, at the bottom of the home page, you'll see a Facebook button, and I've been updating the Facebook page for the shows uh, all week long, including today. I encourage you to check that out. Hit the like button so you can, others can find out about the page. And at the same time, if you hit the follow button anytime something's posted, you'll get notice of it, which is also helpful. Uh, on, the, on the radio shows tab at the top of the page, you'll see a link to our uh, archive page that's set up with castbox.fm. Just uh, click the link, take it right to the uh, uh, archive page, and then bookmark it, and you're good to go. You can also download the app for your iPhone or Android device, and that way you can listen to the recordings and replays anytime you want from your phone in excellent audio quality. So check that out and share those uh, recordings with anybody via social media that you would like, and I encourage you to do so. There's no charge for any of it. Now, also, if you scroll to the bottom of the uh, uh, radio shows page, you'll see a chat room, and that is there so that you can interact with the program. Especially today, in a few minutes, we're going to have a, a guest, Alan Phillips, as I promised yesterday. He's a vaccine rights attorney, actually the vaccine rights attorney. There's no one else that's gone to law school solely for the purpose of dealing on va with vaccine rights issues. And as such, and the fact that he also lives in North Carolina, which is vaccine central, uh, that's where most of the vaccine companies are headquartered, uh, he has become a target of uh, <laughs> the North Carolina Bar Association, and I think they're being pressured to do so by the vaccine companies that are trying to shut Allen up so he doesn't help people find out how they can exercise their rights and say no to vaccines. So anyway, I encourage you to use uh, all the features on the website. You know, use them to your advantage. They're there. They're for your use, free of charge. The only thing you pay for is the products. And uh, they are fantastic. They're well worth the uh, effort and the expense. And uh, you're not going to find anything that's going to work better. So the product, you know, keep in mind also the uh, uh, topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the People's Patriot Network, its owners or sponsors. And nothing we say on the show should be disconstrued as attempting to diagnose, treat, or cure any health issue. 
It's up to you as a responsible adult to do your own due diligence. Make sure that what you're hearing, what you're trying is right for you. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research. And if you're dealing with a chronic health issue, by all means, do not take the word of an MD because given half a chance, they will kill you. So uh, that's pretty much it for the show opening remarks. I'm going to see if I can get Alan on the line here. And, uh, ooh, there we go. And hopefully we'll be able to pick him up and we'll see where we go. The ringing. I, there's no way I can mute that. <laughs> All Hi. right, looks like we got you, Alan. How's it going? Doing fine. How are you doing, Sarge? Uh, fantastic. Welcome to the show. I just gave a little bit of an update on uh, who you are, what you've been doing, and the fact that the North Carolina bar is attacking. And I'm just going to kind of let you go from there. Give us some background and where things are at this point. Okay, Sarge. Thank you for that. Um, Brief summary of the the situation there, the North Carolina State Bar, and in particular, more so than others, one attorney there has been coming after me for about two and a half years now in two successive investigations, both initiated by a person in California who is uh, now widely recognized throughout the alternative health or alternative vaccine community as being uh, very likely a pharmaceutical troll has been persistently uh, for the last uh, close to three years now been attacking anyone and everyone in the alternative vaccine community uh, who has any sort of uh, prominence, visibility, leadership roles, and so forth. So clearly is out to try to undermine the effectiveness of this alternative community from uh, continuing to raise awareness of the massive corruption in the pharmaceutical industry, which, as as you well know, goes on sort of generally throughout that industry. And perhaps, um, and don't cough or choke at this next comment, I'm just trying to give benefit of the doubt here, perhaps despite the fact that there may actually be some good coming from that industry. But nevertheless, it, it is an industry well-documented to be one that engages, for example, in massive criminal behavior on a regular basis. This is documented at the Federal Justice Department website, where I have found, just with my own searching of that website, 55 combined criminal civil fines against pharmaceutical companies since 2001, 55 fines that are greater than $100 million dollars. There have been criminal fines as high as a billion dollars, and criminal fines in the hundreds of millions are common in this industry. So whatever good they may be doing, they also routinely engage in massive criminal behavior. Not a conspiracy theory right there on the federal government Justice Department website. So a lot of that goes on, uh, I and many others assert, with vaccines. And Sarge, when you call out corruption, you invite attack. In fact, if you are attacked, it's probably an indication that you're making good progress because they see you as worthy of spending their time trying to discredit you, attack you, whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, it's like the bomber pilots in World War II used to say, if you're taking flak, it means you're over the target. Exactly, exactly. You're getting a little too close for comfort. So, <laughs> By the way, before I get uh, before we go too much farther, uh, I had it in the last show, and I didn't get a chance to say it, but Laura from Ohio says thanks. She's a former client of yours, and she's very uh, thankful that she bumped into you, and uh, she's very grateful for your help. 
and now she's going to be able to retire soon. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to get that in real quick, but uh, go ahead. Well, thank you. Thank both of you, <laughs> Laura, for chiming in and, and you for sharing that, Sarge. Yeah, it's, it's difficult work, but I tell you, I have some uh, very grateful clients, even the uh, overall small percentage who, for one reason or another, are not successful, are often still grateful that there's um, someone out there doing this kind of work. About 130 attorneys in the country that do vaccine injury and death cases, a tragedy that we need them, but a blessing uh, that they're there since we do need them. And I don't do that work, Sarge, but I work just with exemptions and waivers, but I work in a long list of different categories and with clients and attorneys and um, in activism, work with activists and legislators around the country. And there just isn't anyone else out there doing the work that I do. So the attack on me and, and my clients around the country and, and to a little bit around the world as it concerns people immigrating to the U.S. who are required to be vaccinated to uh, to immigrate, to go through that process, at least the legal ones. <laughs> and um, with nobody else out there, people are, are, are really grateful. So it's, it's really gratifying work in, in that respect and humbling, humbling as well. And uh, perhaps equally, if not even more humbling, is the outpouring of support I've received from people in the alternative health community with regard to this issue with the North Carolina State Bar. So the short story is, uh, this has been going on for about two and a half years now, and the bar issued a warning letter back in February of 2017, saying I had advised a woman in California uh, about a state law matter, California state law matter, which I would have to have had a California license to do, and I'm only licensed in North Carolina. But the, own, the woman's own email said that she had consulted someone else and the bar never provided me any evidence, even hearsay, let alone uh, anything tangible or, or documented uh, otherwise. And a California legal expert later said that not only did I not advise the woman about California state law, but that under the circumstances, even if I had it would have been okay. So the North Carolina bar made up facts and law to support this letter of warning. Now the letter of warning is not formal discipline. So it was very confusing to me at the time, Sarge, but I didn't have the $1,500 a day it cost to challenge it. Most of the work I do is unpaid activism work. Um, I charge a professional rate when I bill, but I bill very few hours, less than one day a week on average, and I pay the bills, but I'm not driving a Mercedes. And in fact, I drive a, a, an 18-year-old car that is running fine, in fact, excellent for its age, uh, because I don't have the money to buy a newer one. So if that gives anybody an indication of the luxurious lifestyle that I'm not leading as an attorney... And I'm fine with that, Sarge. That's a personal choice. But there's work that needs being done here, whether I get paid for it or not, because there's a serious crisis that we're dealing with, many serious crises. But this is one of the big ones, the vaccine issue. And so I'm compelled by the issue, so I'm here. So they issued this warning letter. Um, it wasn't formal discipline. I got on with my life. Same woman files another complaint. Um, 
this would have been uh, sometime later, I think around May of 2017. No new allegations, Sarge. She's not accusing me of doing anything wrong. She just raised one of the exact same points she had raised before that my website says I work with clients and attorneys around the country, which I do and which I can do. As long as I'm only advising about federal law, it's fine. And anytime state law is involved outside of North Carolina where I'm licensed, I have to involve a local attorney, and I do that. I work with local attorneys uh, around the country on a regular basis. I probably have worked with close to 200 attorneys around the country at one time or another over the last uh, six, eight, ten years uh, of the work that I've been doing. So that's that's a regular part of my practice now. Cool. And I gave the bar detailed description of everything that I do, and they didn't have a problem with that. And they're not accusing me of having done anything wrong, um, new. So there's not even a legal basis for an investigation, but they opened one up anyway. And they said, hand over years of client files. You must be doing something wrong somewhere. So we want to dig through your files so we can make up. I I mean, um, see if we can find anything wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I said it that way on purpose, Sarge, because they invented facts and law before. So not only is there no point in uh, no way I'm going to hand over client files and violate my client's privacy rights, but I'm not going to hand them over files. I haven't done anything wrong. They haven't found anything wrong that I've done. Nobody's even accusing me of anything new that I've done wrong, but they invented facts and law before. They'll do it again. Clearly, and this was not clear to me at first, but it's very clear now. Clearly, this was all designed from the beginning to set me up to go through a series of steps to take my license. Why, why do I think the state bar would do that? Well, I'm the only attorney in the country who does what I do, and North Carolina is known in the pharmaceutical world as vaccine central. I may have picked the worst state to live in to do the work that I do. Or I don't know, maybe it'll turn out to have been the best state if we end up exposing, as I am, um, committed to doing the corruption at the North Carolina State Bar. So they made up facts in law. They're trying to build on that now with a second investigation. And when I said, no, I'm not turning over client files, they had the authority to suspend my license. And I was prepared for that. Over a year ago, I thought this would happen. And to my surprise, they didn't. And they drug things out for a little while. And I drug things out for a little while. And eventually, they had a choice. They had to either drop everything and get on with their lives and let me get on with mine, or they had to take some step to elevate things to a new level. Uh, They could have taken my license, but instead they sued me. Why would they sue me when they could just take my license? Well, two reasons. One, the egos at the North Carolina State Bar were not content with taking my license because I would still win in the sense that they didn't get the client files they wanted to see. So in order to teach me a lesson, they filed a lawsuit. And if they get an order requiring me to hand over client files and I still say no, then I can go to jail for civil contempt. So they're upping the ante. And they're also uh, surely intending on making an example out of me so that anybody else who's crazy enough to think about challenging them on their corruption knows to not waste their time doing so. Mm-hmm. Well, You know, the end of the story hasn't been determined yet, even though they probably think it is uh, or has been. 
And they couldn't have gotten as far as they've gotten Sarge if there wasn't a system of corruption there. Because Sarge, I did a little of my own investigating, and this is just preliminary, but I've already found eight or nine other attorneys who have either been disciplined or even disbarred. They claim because the bar investigators invented some facts to build a case against them. And I bet I'm the only one that's ever stood up to them this much, this long, this far. And I can do that because of some factual, uh, some of the facts concerning the circumstances that I'm, that I'm in are different from other attorneys. Long story short. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just a little more stubborn than, than their last victims. I don't know about that part. Well. But most people <laughs> will cooperate with the bar because they can take your license. Yeah. And I say, screw that. I'm not going to cooperate with corruption. That's just endorsing and enabling the corruption. So can they take my license? Sure. Would it be legal? No. Would I and am I now going through efforts to call attention to the corruption and expose the corruption? Yes. But we're going to see much bigger efforts for that in the near future, Sarge, so I'll say to you and your listeners, stay tuned. In the meantime, there's a lots that people can do to help. And in particular, there are some petitions that people can sign. And all the petitions are saying is, hey, there are some complaints against the bar attorneys from me, but also from some organizations around the country, because there's some information posted on the Internet that anybody can pull up. And if they wanted to file a complaint with the North Carolina State Bar, Uh, And you don't even really have to have evidence for a complaint. You just have to have what they call an allegation of misconduct. What they don't have for their investigation against me, but there are with several investigations against them. And, of course, they can't investigate themselves, Sarge. That would be a conflict of interest. But you know what? That's exactly what they're doing. They are suppressing the complaints against themselves that do set out lots of allegations of misconduct on their part while they are pursuing an investigation and now a lawsuit against me where they don't have the legally required allegation of misconduct. What they are literally saying, Sarge, is because I work with clients around the country, I must be doing something wrong somewhere. So they want to go through my client files to see if I'm doing something wrong. Well, this is what is known in the law as an illegal fishing expedition. It's an actual legal term. You can't require somebody to cough up a bunch of of, uh, documents so you can dig around and see if there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Fundamental due process requires them to have some sort of allegation of misconduct or wrongdoing for them to be able to even open an investigation. And even if they had an allegation of misconduct, then they could ask for evidence related to that specific allegation, but they still couldn't say, we want to go through hundreds of client files. So they're way out of bounds here. Um, And obviously they believe they can get away with it. It appears they've done one version or another of this many times in the past for who knows how many years and are doing so currently with other attorneys. 
But I'm still fully operational doing my practice because instead of taking my license, they decided to sue me. So we'll see how this plays out. There's a hearing next week. It's a preliminary hearing. It's not on this fundamental issue of do I have to hand over client files. The hearing next week has to do with what's called discovery. And discovery in lawsuits is a procedure, sort of a umbrella or global term for many different ways of getting documents and information from the other side. And they served discovery and they want me to answer a bunch of questions and hand over a bunch of documents. And I said, no, I'm not giving you guys anything because you have a conflict of interest. I have complaints against you. You can't prosecute a case against me. Now, this doesn't make the case go away. It just means they have to resolve the conflict of interest. If they do nothing else, they have to get outside counsel to represent them. They can't represent themselves because of the conflict of interest. So the court is either going to recognize the conflict of interest or not. If the court recognizes the conflict of interest, the court should then order the bar to either get outside counsel or or I guess the way to put it and what I'm requesting is an order requiring them to get outside counsel unless and until they otherwise resolve the conflict of interest. And then the case would go forward from there. We'll address, regardless of the court's ruling, other issues will be addressed later because there are some critical other issues. But that's kind of where it sits right now, Sarge. And um, in the meantime, people can look at the story uh, at vaccinerights.com and at the Bar Watch Incorporated, which is a, a new nonprofit corporation that I set up to call attention to this matter publicly, not specifically the, the lawsuit, but more importantly, the, the larger allegations of misconduct as it concerns some of the attorneys at the North Carolina State Bar. So that's barwatchonline.org, O-R-G, barwatchonline.org. And the story is there and links to petitions, one for attorneys, one for everybody else. And the petitions are simply calling for a proper independent investigation of the complaints against the bar. They are not only um, not cooperating with an investigation of those complaints, they are actively suppressing them. And that act alone is misconduct on their part. So if enough people are saying, hey, we don't like the fact that the bar is suppressing complaints against itself, then maybe uh, at some point something will happen to deal with that. We shall see. But um, several steps that will occur after this next hearing, regardless of the court's ruling. And we may get an answer that day in court or some number of days later. Sometimes judges will say, um, I'll let you know my answer later. Uh, my ruling. So we'll see what happens. But there's also something very interesting on the Bar Watch website, Sarge, that people can go see for themselves. It'll take you about five minutes. There's a letter posted there, a redacted letter from the North Carolina State Bar's lead attorney. There are about 17 attorneys working full time for the North Carolina State Bar. 
one called the Bar Council, the rest are Deputy Council. And the Bar Council sent a letter to me dismissing my complaints against the Bar, which of course she can't do because of an obvious conflict of interest. And in this short one paragraph letter, only nine lines long, this lead attorney at the North Carolina Bar engages in about six or seven, if not more, ethical violations in the letter itself. You go look at the letter posted online at barwatch.org, barwatchonline.org, and scroll down beneath the letter and you'll see an explanation of multiple uh, violations of ethical rules in that one letter. And so anybody can see in about five, maybe seven minutes of, of time reading that, that clearly there is a problem in the North Carolina State Bar if the lead attorney is willing to write a letter where she just makes stuff up, facts and law, just makes it up off the cuff and writes a letter saying, we're not going to deal with your complaint against us. There's obviously a serious problem there. That's the leadership at the bar is willing to just write a quick letter and make stuff up. Okay. So anybody can go look at that in the comments and see for themselves. Now, that doesn't prove anything about the substance of my complaints, but it certainly suggests that there's a good reason why my and other people's complaints against North Carolina bar attorneys should be taken seriously and given proper attention. That means somebody outside, independent of the North Carolina State Bar, some committee needs to be put together to look at those complaints because, of course, they can't properly assess and investigate complaints against themselves. It's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking at this letter. And I find it, uh, it, it makes you wonder whether or not these people are working for the bar because they can't support themselves as a regular private practice attorney. Because the, the mistakes they make and the things they're doing, you know, is something that somebody out of law school should know better than to do, I would think. Um, <laughs> so. Well, Sarge, I mean, I have a, a general response to that. You know, if somebody were to ask me, Alan, are you concerned about the justice system with what you're seeing at the state bar? I would say, justice system what justice system the justice system <laughs> <laughs> yeah well put sarge that's mm -hmm. great I'm, uh, I, I may quote you on that one i like that <laughs> we don't have a justice system though and here's my point we don't have a justice system we have a power system and people in power will dispense justice when it suits them to do so mm -hmm. now i firmly believe sarge that there are some people in the justice system who always try to dispense justice. For them, it will always suit them to try to do the right thing. But there are also many people in the system who really don't give a darn about what's technically supposed to be done. They realize that in a position of power, they can do whatever they want with that, use it or abuse it. And they will from time to time, of course, do the right things. Because if they always did the right thing, it would be too obvious. <laughs> and sometimes they don't really care, you know, whether the right thing happens or not. And so they'll do the right thing. But other times where they have a personal interest or, or whatever it may be, some reason they don't like the result of the law or they 
in some cases get paid under the table to be part of a little private club of judges and attorneys or whatever. And Sarge, I, I don't mean any disrespect, especially to people who try to do their job sincerely and ethically. But I hear, I've seen myself in practice in at least four different uh, districts in North Carolina. I've heard others talk to me, had an attorney tell me recently, Alan, I've, I've practiced in several different counties in North Carolina, and every one of them has the same thing. They have a little group of attorneys and judges that are a little club, and if you can afford you know, the right judge and attorney, it doesn't matter what the law says, you win your case. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't have the right attorney, you know, a member of that little club, and if the other party does, it doesn't matter what the law says, you lose. Mm-hmm. It's really disturbing to think that that sort of thing could go on in today's world, but the more I look into this, Sarge, the more I believe and see and hear about it at all levels. Does it mean everybody's corrupt? Of course not. Uh, some people think all attorneys are bad. We all have sworn allegiance to the British bar or some nonsense like that that circulates <laughs> around the alternative communities. But there are good attorneys, there are good judges out there. There are good people throughout the legal system. But there's also corruption throughout the system. And we have to, uh, the larger community needs to come to grips with that. That corruption is just a fact of the world today. That doesn't mean, oh, well, I guess we have to tolerate it because it's there. No, we have to recognize that it's there and it's time to call out the corruption, call, hold these people accountable and say, look, that's the old world, but we're going into a new one now where we don't tolerate that anymore. And the only reason we tolerated it before is because most of us weren't aware of it and the people who were were kept quiet. The people who were and were not participating in it. Um, The people, of course, who are there benefiting from it, keep quiet uh, willfully. Those who find out about it and want to challenge it are kept quiet in one way or another against their will. But we're not going there anymore, Sarge. We're going to fix that. And I'm going to do my part to the best of my ability to start with unhinging the corruption in the North Carolina State Bar that I believe Uh, I can prove is there. But in the formal sense of that, in terms of the system in place to deal with that, the allegations are that there is misconduct on the part of some attorneys at the bar. There are formal complaints that have been filed. Those complaints need to be investigated, but of course the bar can't investigate itself. Obvious conflict of interest there. What they've been doing so far, though, is exactly that, suppressing those complaints against themselves. So it's not something I'm going to fix, but maybe a community of people can come together and maybe together we can we can fix that. So we'll see, you know, be sure and stay tuned for our next exciting episode as the mm-hmm. saying goes. Um, now, one thing I wanted to do <clears throat> is mention to the folks out there that haven't, uh, you know, if you haven't been to Alan's site yet, Excuse me. Um, I put it in the chat room, and it's also, uh, I think I've got it on my uh, uh, Facebook page as well. But go to vaccinerights.com. That's vaccinerights.com. And on the homepage, you'll see the Authoritative Guide Vaccine Legal Exemptions ebook, Volume 4. And uh, one of our listeners, Laura, 
has used it, as have I. And uh, I believe Laura is also in the, I think she's a nurse, and my wife is a nurse, and I use the book in order to uh, craft a uh, uh, religious exemption for her several years ago because the the hospital she's working at was starting to mandate va- uh, flu shots every season for everybody. And um, the first two years, we submitted the documentation. They, they approved it. The third year, when she gave it to them, they realized that this was not going to change. And they gave her a blanket exemption. They told her that as long as you're working here, you don't have to resubmit this anymore. So um, it works if you do it right the first time. If you don't, there's no going back and fixing it. So uh, <clears throat> it's in your best uh, it's in your best interest to make sure that you get the book so that you know that you're doing it right. Avoid the pitfalls <clears throat> that so many make. Sorry about that. I got goobers in my throat today. <laughs> um, but avoid the pitfalls. Do it right the first time so that you can uh, effectuate your right to uh, say no to the vaccines and then retire early like Laura's going to do. <laughs> and hopefully my wife will be soon as well. And uh, the other thing I wanted to say that on the, um, let me find it again here, on the Bar Watch uh, website, there is a link to donate. It's towards the bottom of the page. Uh, where did I go? I think I just have to back up here. Yeah, if you go to the barwatchonline.org page, um, down at the bottom, it's it's directly to the left of the picture of the courthouse with the clock. Um, it says support this project, and if you click that link, it will tell you how you can donate to help deal with all the expenses that Alan's going through, um, you know, with all the legal fees and everything else. And uh, you know, if you have any way of helping him out, I appreciate we'd appreciate it if, if you would do that. You can donate there. There's also a petition form that you can sign as a non-attorney and there's another one for attorneys that you can take a look at and potentially sign that and it's all basically geared towards not necessarily supporting Allen's case per se but just asking that the um, situation be addressed appropriately where the, the bar association isn't investigating themselves but they're getting outside counsel and that things are done the proper way. Um, and I think everybody wants that regardless of how you feel. Uh, we just want an, a level playing field for everybody. So I just want to get that in real quick to make sure because uh, I know many times if, if, I, if, I, if I don't do it, Alan's not going to. <laughs> and I want to make sure he has the support uh, both through buying the book and through the uh, direct support uh, with the petitions and the funding. So wanted to get that in, but uh, Alan, we've got about uh, another... 20 minutes or so so if you've got any uh, we've still got some time so go ahead and uh, anything else that you want to say let's get it in well Sarge let me take just a minute here you know I have a a joke that is uh, rooted in truth I say if you want to complicate things add an attorney uh, so just real quick I'm going to clarify the donate page uh, or link on the bar watch uh, website which again is barwatchonline.org is for supporting that nonprofit organization. And people, of course, are absolutely welcome to donate there. But there's a separate GoFundMe account, which is a legal defense fund, which is separate from the nonprofit organization. Okay. And that deals directly with the lawsuit. The lawsuit really has no direct connection to the um, 
uh, nonprofit organization, though of course the nonprofit organization is is tracking and reporting on the lawsuit. But um, if people go to vaccinerights.com, there's a link near the upper right on the homepage. It says something about um, North Carolina State Bar Witch Hunt. And people can go to that link, and there's and there's a, a GoFundMe Legal Defense Fund link there. So people are, uh, of course, welcome to contribute to neither one or either one or both, whatever anybody wants to do. But there are two separate fundraising um, mechanisms. I, again, I just wanted to clarify: one for the nonprofit, one for the Legal Defense Fund and the lawsuit. Anyway. Um, yeah, Sarge, uh, long story short, is the hearing next week in the lawsuit is going to address the uh, or raises um, the question, will the court recognize the conflict of interest? Uh, there are four different motions on the table, but they all basically are going to be resolved one way or the other based on whether the court says, yes, there's a conflict of interest and the bar needs to deal with that conflict of interest, or the court says either there isn't a conflict or the bar doesn't need to worry about the conflict. So if they, if the court does say, yes, there's a conflict of interest and the bar needs to do something about it, I'm asking the court to order the bar to get outside counsel. It doesn't make the lawsuit go away. It just means they have to get outside counsel. They can't represent themselves Someone else has to represent them because they have the conflict of interest. Uh, outside counsel, unless and until they were to do something else that resolves the conflict of interest, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. In fact, it'll never happen if they have their say, because what would have to happen would be that those complaints against the bar would have to be properly investigated by an independent outside uh, committee of some kind. Ironically, the, the laws in North Carolina say if you're complaining about an attorney, you got to do that to the state bar grievance committee, which is the attorneys who work at the state bar. But um, they can't investigate themselves. So that's what the, the petitions are for. That's really the bottom line goal for the nonprofit is to call attention such that a proper investigation takes place. I believe a proper investigation will find serious misconduct did in fact occur and is in fact occurring ongoing by at least a small portion of the total group of attorneys working for the bar. I don't think it's everyone there. Uh, corruption rarely is everybody, but, but um, three or four at least that I'm aware of are um, three of them directly with my situation, one with uh, uh, someone else's. So I have had seen at least four different names that appear to be involved in uh, what we would politely and technically call misconduct. So, but they need to be investigated, bottom line. Uh, you know, they're either above the law or they're not. And, and so far they're managing to place themselves above the law and that is really the fundamental issue here, regardless of uh, the uh, other technical parts of all of this. Am I going to hand over years of client files or not? Am I going to hand over discovery to somebody who has a conflict of interest? No. Um, if I get a court order, that's a different situation to deal with. But anyway, 
Uh, other steps will take place. Um, I have other uh, defensive strategies and mechanism that I'll be uh, looking to employ following this next hearing, regardless of the court's decision. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll definitely be, uh, I'll definitely be reaching out to everybody about what's going on when we get the court's ruling. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and like you said, you're still doing your, uh, your practice in the meantime, because uh, Laura mentioned in the, um, I think it was Laura, no, this is someone else, I guess, unless she just came back and put it in again. Um, someone in here, they're anonymous, said they had an actual consultation consultation with you, and it was a crucial thing. Um, and good luck and God bless you next week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not, I think that may be a different person other than Laura. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, the key is that Alan's still doing the uh, his his practice, so if you if you want to contact him, the information on how to do so is on the website, and uh, every little bit helps. But uh, and I appreciate you clarifying. I should have known better that uh, the nonprofit's got its own fundraising arm, and then the the uh, legal defense fund. And I have posted the legal defense fund on my both of my Facebook pages. Uh, so hopefully it will get some more generation there. Um, every little bit helps there too. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm humbly grateful for any support and all support on all levels. Starts, I've had an outpouring of people, you know, saying they're praying for me or offering to pray for me. And I say that is absolutely wonderful and gratefully and humbly accepted. Other people just saying we're here with you, we're behind you and so forth. And of course, uh, many people contributing anything from a dollar up to um, support the very real practical need um, uh, of the financial cost of all of this. So all of it, any and all of it is, is humbly appreciated from good wishes to financial support and everything in between. Uh, really appreciate. And it's been just really heartening and humbling, the, the outpouring of support that I've seen from uh, not just my clients, but activists and others. Uh, frankly, Sarge, I've had no direct involvement or interaction with uh, many such people who nevertheless recognize and appreciate the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to each and every one of them. There are going to be some critical grassroots projects coming up, things where people jumping in and, and not about paying money, but about just spending a little bit of time. So some really important things coming up that people can get involved in that may ultimately be the make it or break it on this issue. It's not something I'm going to win by myself, bottom line, something I'm going to win if I do and when I do because of and with the support of many, many people uh, in our community, Sarge. So well, by all means, when that does, when that pops up, let me know and we'll get you back on so you can explain it to everybody. Uh, absolutely. We'll let people know what's going on, when it's going on. And, um, of course, always glad to come back. I'll mention just while we got uh, a couple more minutes left here, Sarge, so I can sort of switch gears. My focus in terms of my activism has taken a recent shift, not, not a particularly new turn, but, but I'm reformulating and re rearticulating some ideas and concepts here that I want to share with people. And, and the basic issue is that, you know, it's sort of a, one way to think of it, if you will, is, is sort of a good news, bad news story. The good news is, is that awareness 
has been growing and continues to grow in terms of people recognizing that there are some serious problems with the vaccine status quo in this country and around the world. And I'm not going to go off on the hours of discussion we could have about the details other than to say we know by official government sources that there are hundreds of times more people who are injured or killed by the vaccines than by the diseases. So even if we start um, with a position saying that vaccines have have, uh, done some good in the world, and I question that fundamental assertion, but even, or assumption, but even if we start with that as a given to make a point here, that vaccines have, have done some good in the world, they, we clearly are over vaccinating when there's more harm caused by the vaccines than by the diseases. So if there is such a thing as a good level of vaccinating, we have severely overstepped it. And why? Well, for multiple reasons, as you well know, Sarge, but you know, as I say, you don't have to go past the money to figure out that there's a serious problem, even though if you dig into this, you'll see more going on than just the money. Right. But it's not only a roughly $35 billion a year industry internationally now, the vaccine industry, and growing at a rapid rate in recent years, and the projections are that it will keep growing rapidly for years to come. But vaccines, we know from the medical literature, are introducing chronic illness into the population. And every person with a chronic illness is a potential lifelong customer of other pharmaceutical products. (laughs) So whether you want to be cynical and say this is deliberate, or you want to be forgiving and say, oh, it's an accident, they didn't realize it. The big money with vaccines is the lifelong customers for treating and managing, not healing, but treating and managing the chronic illnesses that vaccines create. And that's everything from mild attention deficit or seasonal allergies to full-blown autism, neurological disorders. Guillain-Barrison. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was, there, have been, there was a payout, a record payout recently in the vaccination compensation program. For one person, the payout was, I think, over $100 million dollars. And I got to say, if you are going to need $100 million to treat whatever your um, disability is, and I say this next comment with great sensitivity to make a point, Sarge, I mean, what kind of a life is somebody living if it takes that kind of money to keep them alive? Definitely. I'm not saying you should let them die. I'm not making that moral judgment. But my point is... You know, payouts in the vaccine injury compensation program range from around $10,000 on up to tens of millions in yeah. some cases. Yeah. Wow. What kind of a condition? How severe must they it really be? really messed this person up. <clears throat> best yeah. I mean, I, haven't, I don't have the, the diagnosis and description to, to share with you, but I'm not sure I want to see it. Yeah. I'm not sure I have the stomach for that. That's the kind of... Um, horrific things we're dealing with in this issue. And and that's despite the fact, as our own federal government says, over 99%, 99%, over 99% of vaccine adverse events don't ever even get reported. Yeah. So what's going on when to date we've now paid out more than $4 billion 
federal government, vaccine injuries and death. Anyway, the question here, Sarge, is even though awareness is growing, we're losing this war. More and more vaccines are being administered. More money is being paid out. The amount of money keeps going up each year. The number of uh, adverse events reported keeps going up each year, even though most of them never get reported. Vaccine profits keep going up every year. Uh, legislative efforts keep happening that on the whole are beneficial to the pharmaceutical industry, where most of our bills seeking to preserve and expand the right to make informed choices don't even get out of committee, don't even come up for a vote, let alone get passed into law. By all the objective measures, we are losing the vaccine war despite the fact that awareness is growing. So what's the missing piece? This is something that is critical, Sarge. This is the make it or break it. And I'm only going to have time today to point people to the links on my website where they can read more about this. But it boils down to a simple but, but critical concept. And Sarge, it's what I'm referring to as the vaccine PSYOP. Now, you will know, and, and at least some of your listeners, this acronym, P-S-Y-O-P, PSYOP, refers to psychological operation. I think it's originally a military term, if I'm not mistaken, but it refers to the deployment or employment or utilization of psychological tactics to manipulate people uh, in one way or another. More and more people are questioning vaccines, and yet there still is a broad public perception that vaccines are necessary, and anybody who disagrees with that is crazy and going to kill us all. And this is not an accident that people think that way is the result of the very systematic and deliberate deployment of psychological tactics, primarily delivered through mainstream media and educational materials, to manipulate and control public perception. Now, I would assert after 25 years of looking into the vaccine issue and gradually realizing that this is not an isolated case, but this is what goes on throughout our civilization, frankly, throughout our culture and society, that on many major issues, we are manipulated, not just with incorrect information, but psychologically to prevent us from being able to see the truth, to actually cause people to actively defend the lie, thinking they're defending the truth, and to actually proactively attack the truth, thinking they're attacking lies. So we have to understand that we're being manipulated psychologically. We have to learn to recognize those techniques when they're being used against us. And we have to recognize that the people we want to make aware of what's going on have been manipulated psychologically because the way you talk to a subconscious psychological barrier is very different than the way you just hand somebody a piece of information. And this is what's going to determine whether we expose this within the next 10 years or the next 100 years, except we don't have 100 years because the injuries and death keep increasing. And within a few years, there's not going to be enough healthy people left to take care of all the sick people. So we have got to get uh, awareness of the vaccine PSYOP, as I'm calling it, and 
be having an ongoing discussion about what is this, how are they, because a multitude of different techniques they use. But at the end of the day, we have to understand we're being manipulated psychologically. We have to understand how they're doing it so we can neutralize this brainwashing system, this manipulation system, so we can free people and ourselves from this control that happens uh, in a number of ways, but largely through just psychological techniques. So there's information linked on the homepage of vaccinerights.com where people can read about this. And hopefully, Sarge, this can be an ongoing ongoing discussion um, with our community uh, on and off radio so that we can be more effective at bringing morality and ethics and truth back to the healthcare system and back to the larger world that we live in. Now, just just out of curiosity, um, would the PSYOP stuff, would that be under the articles tab, or where exactly do you find that? At the Vaccine Rights website, the homepage on the upper right, there is a link. Boy, I'd have to pull it up again real quick, see if I forgot time to do that, and I'll tell you exactly what the links say. Is that why we're losing the vaccine war? That's it. Why we're losing the vaccine war and what to do about it, part one and two. Okay. That is my initial introductory information to this concept that I just uh, mentioned, and I encourage folks to look at that. And I always, with anything that I do, I always welcome contribution, constructive criticism, what have you. What I'm concerned about is that we as a community recognize we're being, have been and are being manipulated psychologically. Let me give you a real quick example. We're seeing rhetoric become much more aggressive where we're seeing the so-called authorities now saying things like parents who don't vaccinate their kids should be sent to jail. Mm-hmm. This is not just random rhetoric. This is information that's being put out deliberately to create a public perception that is actively against any so-called anti-vaxxers. They're laying the foundation, Sarge, so that they can pass laws in the near future that will make it illegal to speak out against vaccines. They wanna make what we are doing, which is exposing their corruption, they wanna make it illegal for us to expose their corruption is, is really the bottom line. But what they will say is all these anti-vaxxers are a risk to public health. They're causing people to not vaccinate and that's gonna you know, kill us all. <laughs> and we don't wanna go back to the days when disease was rampant and killing everybody. So we have to pass laws making it illegal to speak out. Of course, what this amounts to is not only suppressing freedom of speech in a, in a more general sense, but preventing us from exposing their corruption so that they are held accountable, which means basically going to jail. And true health, true freedom, true integrity can be brought back to the healthcare system. If they get to that step, Sarge, if they actually start passing laws that make it illegal for us to call them out on their corruption, we lose. It's game over. So we have to recognize what's going on here. And we have to devise ways to neutralize the psychological tactics. 
Yep, I agree with you 100%. Hopefully we won't get to that point, and that takes everybody to get do their part to let everyone else know. So spread this word far and wide. Alan, thanks for being with us again. Tomorrow's replay will be back live on Monday. Until then, take care of everybody and have a good day. God bless you.